Dog Bless You is all about celebrating the love we have for our dogs, which is why I cannot think of a better sponsor for the podcast than our friends at Button Up Box. As well as delivering fresh, healthy meals for dogs that are made with 60% meat, 40% vegetables and lentils, and absolutely no nasties, Button Up Box also genuinely cares about all dogs and their humans. In fact, everything they do is for the love of dogs. And our listeners can fetch 50% off their first two Button Up Boxes by visiting buttonupbox.com slash dogblessyou. That's buttonupbox.com slash dogblessyou to get 50% off your first two boxes. Thank you so very, very much to Button Up Box. And welcome to Dog Bless You, the podcast about rescue dogs, the Wild at Heart Foundation charity, and our love of dogs in general. I'm your host, Nikki Tibbles, and in this series, we'll speak to people about their experiences with their companions and how a dog can change your life for the better. But we'll also hear some harrowing stories about the lives of some dogs here in the UK and around the world. And more importantly, we'll tell you how you can help end that. But for now, let's meet today's guest. Hello, and welcome to Dog Bless You. And I am so happy and so proud to have the amazing and beautiful and extraordinary, extraordinarily gorgeous Pixie Galdoff. Welcome, Pixie. Hi. (laughs) Pixie a musician, a beautiful model, but for me, Pixie has always had a passion for animals, uh, particularly for marine wildlife, especially sharks. She's an amazing advocate for marine conservation and works tirelessly with Project Zero, for which I believe you're an ambassador, Pixie, and campaigns tirelessly for against animal testing in the cosmetic industry. And in 2018, Pixie led a delegation that went to the United Nations in New York to end cosmetic animal testing worldwide. So, but not only that, Pixie is probably our longest standing ambassador. Is that true? For all things love of dog. So we met Pixie about four years ago, I think, four or five years ago, yeah, to talk yeah, about working with the foundation. And since then, you have been such an amazing, amazing advocate for the foundation, um, for everything that we do, and su- supported us in so many ways from coming to Lesbos on one of our very first trips. That was the best. Do you I remember I that? that? Yeah, I was talking about that trip just like randomly yesterday. I think about it all the time. I'd not done a trip like that before, and it was just like, Fun seems to be the wrong word to use for trips like that because they are emotionally incredibly intense. But it was fun because there is a joy in what you guys do. Like it's it's really intense and it's really um, tragic. A lot, you know, the circumstance that these animals find themselves in. But you, what you do is bring hope 
And so there was this like amazing sort of just like energy with everyone and everyone was so sort of happy the whole time because you realize you're not going to these places that look really sad and everything, you know, whatever, but that actually the point of why you do what you do is to bring hope to animals. And it's so like it was, it was a joyous trip rather than anything else. And I think, you know, we had Pixie, you came out to Puerto Rico because mm. part of the, the, the sort of real reason behind the foundation, obviously, is that we know there are 600 million stray dogs in the world. And we can only start to address that with global mm. sterilization campaigns and education. And you came out to Puerto Rico with us maybe two years ago I think yeah it was in what was it February it was I think it was February last year yeah yeah 2019 yeah 2019 and these clinics are well I mean they're ex extreme we have 40 yeah. deaths and we sterilize yeah. four and a half thousand animals in six days and Pixie and I were working in the recovery clinic so how what are your memories of that trip and yeah and because it was exhausting. We were working like 20 Yeah, that was, a, that was a different <laughs> trip to Lesbos. That was, yeah. that was, I mean, I don't think I knew, like I saw you, because you had done it a few times before. How many, mm. like three or four trips you had done before? Yeah, we've and done about 10 now, I think. Wow. Ten, eight eight yeah. or 10 God. before we had to stop. And I had seen it and I was just like, I want to help. So I came out with you and I just... I just had, I had no idea what we were going to be doing. And I think because I'd done Lesbos, I thought it would be like a similar experience emotionally. And I didn't realize how long the, like we went there before sunrise and left after sunset. Like you didn't, we, like, I was like, I'm going to Puerto Rico. We're going to be in the tropics. Nice. <laughs> didn't see sunlight, did not see the daytime. And like that part of it was intense. Cause you are so tired you are like a machine i could not believe you like how, you do not stop there was not a break and i was so inspired by it and that like and, and by everyone there like i can't believe the work that people do sometimes like from the vets who don't like donate their time like they've sterilized four and a half thousand dogs in six days like that is how many vets were there? Maybe it's 20, 20 vets, yeah. I think it's 20 vets. And then they have 20 vet, twenty people in their, their vet techs. So, yeah, 40 in total, but 20 yeah, vets. Yeah, I mean, it was... And it's all in women. Stadium, all women, love that. Yeah. And it was in this huge sort of stadium, which I wasn't anticipating either. So it was, it's like a big thing. And um, But then also on the other... You know, so it's incredible to see, but then on the other side of it, you have a very serious job. Like, it wasn't going there and sort of just being there and looking at what was happening like everyone there participates heavily and you know you're like us on the recovery team the job is essentially to keep the dog alive post-op and yeah. that is the responsibility that I hadn't had before my dog's thank god never been unwell and you know apart from when he was neutered has never had to be cared for at home in that way you know our post-op and like the first time a dot, you know, they explain how you do it and the tubes and, you know, everything like that. And of course you're taught how to do it. But the first time a dog was sort of delivered to my table, I was like, Oh, <laughs> it's and, quite know, scary. Isn't it? it was scary. You... The, fir the first couple of times it was scary. Eventually I think 
it it became very sort of you just did what you do and you have to just sort of get it done but there were bits where it was a little scary you know and there was that there was one dog that stuck with me that had had trouble under anesthesia and they sort of brought him over and like you know they were very like you have to like watch him like really watch him because a lot of them are asleep for a while and you kind of just you know they're gonna be fine you just got to keep an eye this one was like it was an intense sort of really checking everything constantly I mean, it, I genuinely it will go down in my life as one of my like best memories, 100%. Aww. It was the most, yeah, it was like that, you know, so I nice. love animals and I, I want to help animals and, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not a vet. I can't do the things I would like to be able to do for animals. And so it was one, it was an experience where I actually got to be hands-on and active with something that I care about so deeply. I think what's, what's great about those trips, because obviously that they've had to be suspended because of COVID, but we'll mm. be going back again and again and again. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a, as you know, there's 500,000 stray dogs on the island of Puerto Rico. Yeah. And the, the premise behind the clinics that we are running and that you came to obviously is to sterilize own dogs, because mm. as you saw for yourself in Puerto Rico there, you can't drive five minutes without seeing a pack of dogs. No, on the yeah. streets. And an own dog is a dog, you know, that, that is probably tethered outside again, as mm. we saw, and then they're just let off at night or in the morning to just yeah. go and do whatever they want to do. And mostly shag every, you know, <laughs> female in the village, um, which is why they have such a terrible problem there. Yeah. And, and I think what, what's so great about those clinics is that you do feel you are doing like the trips to Lesbos and I think we were planning on going out to Bulgaria you were going to come out to Bulgaria with us I think yeah pre-lockdown which is another amazing shelter that yeah. um, you've got to you've got to come to but you know it's 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 so fabulous I suppose like you saying the joy and it's not fun but it is fun in the way that while we're there we're making a difference yeah and how many puppies did we end up with at home because literally we had oh. like 20 dogs in our apartment that was that meant was, to be like dog I didn't realize free. that might happen as well <laughs> and you were like oh it was the first day and you were like it was that those bunch of those the little puppies and you were like oh these guys are coming home I was like what are you talking about this is fantastic <laughs> like it was yeah and then that was the other thing because there was quite a few people that did show up and um, that had found dogs and wanted to bring them you know that weren't pets and so those dogs then got to go they went to new york right to be rehomed in mainland we then put them into foster and um sent them off to um our gill do you remember gill lovely gill yeah love gill runs two shelters in new york so we send them yeah. off to so we literally collected i think on that trip about 70 dogs because we had about 25 at home at one point didn't we? <laughs> we we would go back to our apartment at about i don't know 10 o'clock at night having yeah. barely eaten all day pixie would make us the most incredible vegan curry or you yeah. you cooked for us nearly every night which was amazing and uh and we'd go back with a box of puppies on our lap <laughs> 
every night. It was, yeah, not house trained puppies either as well. Which not was house trained, really no. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of uh, mess in that yeah. apartment. We had to take all the rugs up, cover all the sofas. Yeah. <laughs> Have, we had the crates of dogs everywhere. Literally, we weren't the ideal Airbnb candidates, I can say. Wait, no, I, <laughs> I, uh, I probably have been banned from ever booking on Airbnb it's ever the greater again. Good, you can just say it was for the greater good. It's the greater no, good. It, yeah, it was. It, I think it was. I left that trip really exhausted, but it really, it completely reaffirmed why I love what you guys do, and also why people like you and just animal lovers also in general are so vital why caring about something deeply matters and i i, I you know it was yeah it was really game changing i, I would do it you're gonna come back again 100 percent. yes i'm bringing okay, people as well. well that was the other thing i came <laughs> back and my friends who i have a, a, a few friends who are you know like me and crazy about dogs and then a friend you know a lot of friends who just like them and even they were like oh, I'd come you know and I kept being like by the way it's you know you want to sleep at all times it's really tiring and they're like you know let's do it so <laughs> I'm bringing people I'm coming I'm coming for you okay well we've got a shelter to build back on Lesbos so you know where you, where you went to see um, yeah Basilia. so uh, all those years ago so we're rebuilding her shelter as soon as we're able to go oh, out yeah. there so she can take in more dogs and we've got this incredible partner shelter in Bulgaria, Street Hearts, Bulgaria. So we want to go out there. And of course, okay. as soon as the clinics resume in Puerto Rico, let's go. Yeah. I mean, with your friends. So 100% <laughs> a group outing. It'll be great. <laughs> I definitely want to come and help with the, with Lesbos, with doing the shelter, building the shelter. That would be brilliant. I'll bring George. He's very handy. Is he? We need handy. Yeah. We do need handy because we've got to build the shelter. Because obviously, because of COVID, you know, the fallout of, again, onto to animals and dogs that people can't afford them or mm -hmm. they can't look after their dogs, you know, in all the hardest hit countries in Europe, you know, there is a massive, the shelters are literally full to the brim so we have once we're able to start traveling again you know we're still helping with sterilization we're still rehoming mm. i've got had five dogs arrive from bahrain today amazing 30 dogs arrived from bulgaria last weekend we've got rocky our india first indian dog coming over shortly yeah. um and we've had yeah we've had about 30 dogs arrive from greece and lesbos this month too so it's it's been a good month but there is so mm. much that we need to do but pixie your extraordinary passion for animals is like <laughs> none none other that i know because <laughs> you know you do work tirelessly you you work so hard for project zero mm. and also you are you are vegan and yep how how did that come about it was a weird zigzag for me i was vegetarian very young um because i went to i think i don't remember this i've been told this by people that essentially me and my sister were in a butcher i think and figured out what was going on kind of thing and we were like whoa <laughs> wait because we have sheep here where I, where my parents live so sort of the connection was made and it was a bit weird and abstract like 
to at first and then suddenly I was like oh okay I kind of get what this is um and sort of quite young then we decided we weren't going to eat meat and then sort of my siblings all sort of started you know you we try I tried meat like there was definitely you know when I was about 12 I was like oh what's that smell bacon I want to give it a go you know like so I sort of went in and out um as I grew up but I was I definitely sort of was kind of in my mind always a vegetarian I stopped being vegetarian for a couple of years um when I was 18 which is a really weird decision I don't know why I did it I don't judge it but I don't know why I sort of was like I think I was just sort of intrigued and then just quite quickly was like this just doesn't sit right with my body and I don't enjoy this at all um and then like this is just purely explaining the veganism I mean and so then I was just vegetarian and eventually I'm one of those people where for me things happen really like immediately in my mind like I can't I'm not someone that's like oh I'll do that in a month I'm like if it if it's happening in my brain it has to happen now so one day now yeah it's straight away so like three years ago when I went vegan just suddenly one day in my brain it just became unacceptable to me what I was participating in and I don't remember really why after I mean at that point I was 26 so like why at 26 after my entire life being vegetarian pretty much suddenly I was like dairy it just really clicked suddenly and I couldn't do it I couldn't participate anymore and then I started because that happened I started sort of learning much more about it and I think that it was just that thing where I, I just hadn't thought about it we I had always thought about meat because I it freaked me out meat it wasn't so much that I was you know connecting it so much to animals it was more just like it was a body and I didn't like that but with milk I could sort of bypass that and be like it's just milk it's fine um and suddenly it just stopped yeah. being fine to me and I don't judge it like I'm never I've never you know my husband's not a vegan my family's not vegan none of really my friends are vegan like I, it's not something I, I don't struggle with the idea that other people don't find it difficult because I totally understand that for me it just became so black and white and so not for me and then the upside of it was it changed my life completely this decision that seemed kind of weirdly insignificant completely changed who I was and how I connected with the world and how I understood certain things and how you know I've always loved animals and I mean deeply loved them um and suddenly it changed that connection it suddenly was a very different thing again like this thing where once I had loved all animals like how I love dogs you know like they're cute and cuddly and I like them suddenly it became their lives were more important to me and their existence became more important to me and their rights most of all their rights became this like absolute call to me that what we do and how we understand animals seems wrong to me it doesn't make sense that we don't see them as equal owners how i see it essentially like i don't believe i have any more right to exist on this planet than a cow i just don't believe i do because why would i and also i think for me people it, it animals have like you say they have no rights they have and and they're sentient beings they they feel yeah. pain and family and emotions uh, 
just as much even more so yeah. often with dolphins and pigs and um and octopus and squid they are incredibly like they're the the most intelligent creatures on our planet and yeah and we treat them so badly with such disrespect well the main part for me i think a lot of the time is also if i don't need to why would i and i don't need to like again it's not a judgment on anyone that does i really find that very difficult because i think that the a big part of the sort of misconception of veganism is a lot of judgment i think people think that vegans are quite judgmental of people that do eat meat or do you know use dairy or whatever it is and i actually genuinely don't because i do understand that people don't make that connection in the same way that people freaked out when there was the horse meat situation it's like but you're eating cow and it's like people don't make those connections um in the same way and so i really don't have judgment and how i talk about veganism especially on social media and things like that is i always want to come at it from a place of joy and and you know the way that it helped me rather than you know the negative side of it and the and the devastating side of the meat industry which we know about like no one isn't aware that there is animal torture taking place across this country and across the world and there is no such thing as humane slaughter and there's no such thing as taking you know a, ch a child from its mother and using the mother for milk there's no such thing as doing that humanely we know this but people know this and continue because they they like their lifestyle the way it is and that really is okay with me so what i think is the what i enjoy doing is just showing people i found a connection in veganism that i didn't have with the world and with nature and that it brought me joy and it brought me happiness at a time when i didn't have those things and i think that's what's so obvious and so lovely about you know your all your extraordinary posts and your followers on instagram you know you that's why i say when i i'm so proud that you you use your influence to such a greater good and it's not just through and 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 i agree with you the, the, the sort of the more positive we can be about plant-based or vegan sure. it yeah. encourages people because nobody really wants to hear the bad stuff no one wants to no. hear it but i don't want to hear the bad make stuff. it if we if we can make it positive and then then that will only help even if yeah. people consider it and try it and think it or eat less meat one day a week yeah. or two days a week however you get there it doesn't really matter but it's yeah. your positivity around it and the gorgeous food that you eat and the amazing recipes that you share and the, the way you live your life is such a joy to people that I think it's really inspirational and that's you using so. <laughs> you so so brilliantly yeah I mean but there were there were people that did that for me you know and when I went vegan there were people that I looked at and I thought well they look like they're having a nice time so this should be easy and that's what I it should be because it isn't hard that's the other it's thing a big part of yeah. veganism is people think the main one is cheese and for me that was the thing that I remember being like I'm gonna miss cheese and yeah. people really freak out about leaving cheese behind but really you do not lose anything and I think that's a really big thing that 
people are people do understand i mean look veganism is rising faster than anything like it's kicking off and people get it yeah. um and people are feeling good about it and it's great and it doesn't work for everyone that's the that's the truth of it but if it does work for you or you can do three days a week one day a week swap your dinners for vegan meals like whatever it is it makes a difference that is an it does impact, make a difference like an immediate impact like you do not have to go full hog to make a dent on the environmental impact of agriculture to make the impact on animal torture like you don't have to dedicate your life to it in the way that you might think that vegans have to in order to make a change and i think that's so important for people to understand and why these documentaries that keep coming out you know about veganism and the benefits of being on a plant-based diet are so important because they're showing people it from a different angle because you might yes. not care about well not care because everyone cares about animals but you might not take it well, they so don't. hard <laughs> well I sure wish they did. <laughs> yeah but like it might not be the thing that is the catalyst but hearing about your health might be or hearing about your friend's health might be or your children's health or your parents health you know try it exactly and that's the other thing like give it a go you know, give it a go. Yeah, give give food nothing to lose. Give, nothing to lose. Maybe some nothing cheese for lose. a few days. You'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. So with that, like, and then with the cruelty-free stuff, that sort of happened around the same time for me. It was a big year. Um, again, a great year. Suddenly, <laughs> it was a great year. It was the game. It was the game changer for me. But um, I think with that sort of thing, I don't know how this happened, but I'm pretty certain I bought. I was buying some products and they were labeled as cruelty free and i i don't use a lot of i don't wear a lot of makeup so the makeup part wasn't that big a deal but uh skincare stuff i had bought a few things and they were cruelty free and i realized i'd been buying those for quite a while and then i was like what i started looking i knew about obviously animal testing and um but it was one of those things i think people don't think about that often because you i think a lot of people and a lot of people i've spoken to over the years genuinely didn't think it happened anymore which i found yeah. quite interesting um and so i started just looking into it and sort of realized brands that i used and brands that i used that were and weren't cruelty free and how easily replaceable the ones that were testing on animals were to me and also that it was inexpensive it made no difference to how difficult it was to obtain these things it made no difference to quality. It made no difference to any of that stuff. And so I just made the switch and suddenly it was this thing where it just sudden, I was angry about it. I was so disappointed that this thing was still happening and I don't understand why it is. It, there is no, absolutely no reason for it. And it became just something that not only did I, you know, make the change myself, but I just couldn't sit with it. It just killed me inside that there, you know, it's illegal in Europe. I will yes. say that it is now, it is for the last, I believe it's been seven years now, it has been illegal to test your products on animals. That does not mean this is where the lie comes in. This is what actually enraged me is companies were lying and I figured it out quickly. Okay, here's the party line. So you can't test your, your products in Europe. That doesn't mean that company isn't testing that product. So in there, there are countries in the world where testing products is mandatory for them to go on the shelves in that country. So the main one is mainland China. If, if a product is sold in mainland China, it is tested on animals. 
So when I figured that out and started looking at what these companies were saying, a lot of them said, for example, Mac does not test on animals unless required by law. That means you test on animals. That yes. doesn't mean that you're not to sell in China. You're testing. Yes. Yes. And, and so I realized that a lot of people believed that they were buying a product that wasn't testing on animals because they had said, we do not test on animals. Brackets unless required by law. And people don't realize what that means all the time. So these people are being lied to. So I started going into shops and asking companies that I know for a fact are testing on animals, whether or not they were. And the employees were telling me they didn't. Mm. And so I was like, so you're expecting me to spend my money that I've earned on a product because I believe that you're not torturing animals and you're telling me you're not, but you are. It's consumer fraud. Yes. And it enrages me. And I, that was the thing that really got me is people are being lied to and people that are trying to be good and do good and do right by animals were being lied to and I just couldn't sit with it and so then I started talking to the body shop who are long time you know cruelty free advocates and partnered up with them for their forever against animal testing campaign that's amazing yeah and they are just incredible people who truly believe in this fight and they had partnered up with Cruelty Free International to make this petition that was going to the UN and they it was I think the most signed animal rights petition in history something like that it was around nine million signatures they got in the end and we ended up going to the UN and it was they delivered this petition and it's you know being still being discussed and essentially the petition was to make it banned worldwide. And there are talks that it will be banned in China shortly yeah. because, I mean, essentially we are mostly talking about sort of the Chinese and Asian market where each component of a product has to be tested separately yeah. to enable it to be sold on the shelves in yeah. China and Asia. Whereas if you sell your product online, it doesn't have to be tested on animals. If you're selling it online, it yeah. can be sold. It- they've got a lot of very complex laws I don't fully understand all of them you know there's there there was all this talk of they're banning it or they're allowing you to sell without testing on animals but they can test the product if they want at any point so is that risk it there's a lot of loopholes so I'm just waiting for the worldwide ban before I become yeah. fully comfortable. But um, <laughs> Well, let's hope we don't have to wait much longer. No, I really think it will be soon. I really believe the next five years we'll see a big change in the way that we look at animal testing. And people are much more aware because, you know, these, these big brands that do, I mean, that they make a lot of money in China. And I think obviously that's why, because we all know that where there is sort of money money to be made, there is less than zero animal welfare. And I think talking about sort of certain brands, there are are brands that have sort of introduced themselves to the market. And this is what I find really frustrating. Brands that sound like they're sort of like origin or fresh or you know there's so many brands that you think well that's you know they sound healthy and good for you and you know that or they they say they're vegan which does not mean they're cruelty free 
exactly and there, there's a lot of brands out there so really do need to do our research and so but what what are your top five cruelty free brands for our listeners out there who would be interested in changing their well skin regime? um well for skin i love emma hardy she's wonderful yeah. um i'm trying there's a brand called elf which is like a super sort of inexpensive drugstore brand who do incredible sort of all different you know it's all skincare they do makeup as well great makeup top five i'm trying to think i use like a lot of the same brands so i'm like hmm two or three will do oh it's all slipped it's all slipped out my mind as well like <laughs> literally everything i use has gone out my mind i mean glossier is a great brand who have yes. just become certified um that's kind of where i get all my makeup i'm a big fan of a brand called De uh, dear claire's and a brand called e nature but like for makeup brands that you wouldn't think are cruelty free because they're big brands like urban decay is cruelty free Too faced is cruelty free there's a lot of really big name ones that are there's a lot that aren't unfortunately but if you, as long as you're trying as long as you're participating i think participation is the main goal because i think the problem is a lot of the time we become relatively apathetic to things we feel like we have no no control over and i think we've been told so for so long that you know we have to let big business change things and the government change things and as much as that is true the government and these massive corporations need to get their shit together and start putting in the time it is also up to us vote with your wallet you know vote with your passions it makes it absolutely makes a difference if no one ever bought one of those brands again they would change like you have apps as a consumer you have the ultimate control and i believe that so passionately and that has become a big thing for me just trying to which is amazing and and that is that's actually such an incredible statement you know as a consumer we can actually change things whether it's our diet and what we eat mm. and what we buy and yeah you know that's so incredibly important and that's what's so amazingly so extraordinarily special about you and your beautiful big heart and all that I'm you do very good about and myself after this <laughs> Well, you're, you're an inspiration and, you know, it's so, and it's so true. And, you know, we need more people like you who, who aren't judgmental, who, and are so passionate about what you believe in, which brings me on to your beautiful mm. dog, Buster. <laughs> the love of How my life, the true, the true, true love reason for all my change. Oh, he's great. He's just upstairs. I really thought he was going to come down and introduce himself, but he just hasn't. Um, he's the best. I got him nine years. Well, he's nearly nine. He's nine in March, which I cannot believe because he looks like a tiny baby angel. But he, um, he looks like a baby. Oh, my God. He's the cutest. But he and this, I think, is where what? a lot of my you know why I want, one of the reasons i really wanted to get involved with you guys is buster isn't a rescue and i got him when i was 20 and lived in a very small flat and wanted a dog desperately but thought at the time because i grew up near bassy dogs home and weirdly hadn't been in that much but anyway but a lot of the dogs there are lurchers or staffies and bigger dogs and mm. dogs that i couldn't have in my place and 
I think I just had that thinking that a lot of people have, which is that rescue dogs are bigger or more aggressive or harder to train and whatever it was. And I was young and I just sort of was like, no, I'll just get a dog. And after that, like, I don't know how long after that, I just sort of realized I was very wrong. And as much as I have absolutely no regrets about Buster because he brought a light into my life I didn't know could exist. I have a guilt every day, really every day, (laughs) that he isn't a rescue and that there was a dog out there that could have been with me that needed a home. And I think that's, I think, part of what, why I try with you guys is my redemption. (laughs) Well, but Buster needed a home and he found you and, and he led you to us. So, and your passion of animals and you save, we save each other's lives, our dogs and, you know. Oh my God, we do. So many ways. And, you know, and I think that, you know, Buster, I mean, I love Buster. He's, 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 he's a, he's a big, he's a big dog and it'll, it'll it'll be, isn't he? (laughs) But like Um, he, I think it's like, also I look at him and, it keeps me he keeps me going because I think if you have a rescue dog you look at your rescue dog and you know that he's experienced something that he shouldn't have he should never have or she should never own any pain or any abandonment or anything like that and that spurs you on for me I look at Buster and I think I'm so happy you've never known any of that and I can't believe that some other dogs do and that spurs me on like looking at this I look at him and just think every dog should have what you've had, which is love from day one. And they don't like what, what how many dogs did you say were strays? Six, 600 million. 600 million dogs out there that don't get to have the life that my dog has had, which is very the most basic thing, which is just day one love. That's it. That's all he's had that's different from any other dog. And why is that the case? And that, fills me with this thing of I mean if I had my way we would have 600 million dogs let me tell you I'd take them all <laughs> and I would love them all individually I just well you've got room there haven't you it's George we need to get round isn't it <laughs> I know I've just got to bring him round to my way of thinking <laughs> but it's yeah on, I just think it's every... about time we had another dog in the family your family <laughs> But I think like that's my favorite thing about dog rescues and specifically what you guys do is this every dog, every animal, but also, you know, every dog has the right to be loved and cared for and not have to know fear and not have to know pain and not have to beg for food and, you know, be scared of humans and not know stroking like literally like you know who doesn't want to pet a dog i mean jesus thousands of years they've been our companions and they've done nothing but love us yes and it's this heartbreaking thing of like you meet these dogs who have genuinely never known affection from humans like ever and all they want to do is come over and say hi and that was the thing that was the thing you see that in puerto rico yeah puerto rico and as well it's like you i just couldn't believe these souls that just like I remember in Lesbos I was sat we went to one of the shelters and where there was a dog under a car and he was really really timid and I sort of sat there for about 
20 minutes just kind of waiting for him to kind of come out from the car and eventually he did and he came over and just put his head on my lap and I was like why would you do like why would you try and give me essentially what is a cuddle for a dog to someone that you only know as a threat yeah and it just broke my heart it made I mean number one it was real hard to leave that that guy behind (laughs) but I just yeah I want all dogs to have the life that Buster's had and to have the life that they deserve to have and it just breaks my heart that they can't but it fills me with joy and hope that you do what you do to make it so that some can I mean 30 dogs last week come on I know we're doing the life they deserve we're we're doing we're doing good on adoption and it's and it's great and again we couldn't do it without you so we're incredibly grateful pixie always for your time anytime and um and I have one last question for yes. you because it's been so gorgeous to talk to you and I could talk to you for hours. I talk hours a lot, sorry. Hours. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I could talk to you for hours. If Buster could speak... Oh, my God. Who or what would he sound like? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I thought about this. I Do you know what the thing I always think of is, like, what would he say to me? What would be the first thing he said to me? But I've never figured it out. But what would he sound like? I think Buster's like, do you want like a specific person? Person or voice? I think he's quite cool. Like he's not, he's kind of, his vibe is very sort of like, he's quite emo. Like I always think he's a grunger. If he was a human, he'd be like in the grunge scene. So, (laughs) which I'm quite into. For a chihuahua, it's kind of perfect. With attitudes. No, 100%, like a little just sort of like whatever about life. And then, I don't know. I think, I mean, he'd be be in that crowd. I don't know. I don't know exactly specifically who. I don't have a, I don't, I can't hear his. Some people have like voices in their head that their dog sounds like. And I actually don't have that with Buster. Like he just he's more he's more from look than talk to me he's more like he's more of an energy Mm. i so i don't really know how to explain it but definitely someone asked me once what his his bedroom would look like if he was a human i think they said or something like that and it was something like oh my god like that's a really house good question be, yeah like what his house would be decorated like and i said it was literally he would have like floral bed sheets but the walls would be like dark purple <laughs> he'd just be like yeah yeah <laughs> just you know, oh, bless he's him. got a vibe he's, he's got, got a vibe, vibe. he's got he's certainly got a vibe although he's quite silly so it's hard i think that's where the floral vibe comes in but he's He's definitely, he's a silly grunger. I don't know who he is. <laughs> he's gorgeous. I know. And very precious. He smells and so good. It's such, a, I know he's such a big part of your life. And it's so lovely to talk to you, my darling. It's so lovely to talk to you. So that's our show for today. If you liked today's show, please subscribe and rate us on wherever you get your podcasts. It does help other dog lovers to find us. Dog Bless You was produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions and presented by me, Nikki Tibbles. The music by Mike Hansen. And if you want to join or contribute to the Wild at Heart Foundation, please go to wildatheartfoundation.org. Thank you so much and see you soon.